What do athletic shoes and your business have in common? Well, for starters, your business, like shoes, may fit a wide range of customers, but it will have the greatest demand from a specific type of buyer. Second, like the plethora of athletic shoes available, choosing the right one eliminates a slew of problems for the wearer. Similarly, your company will strongly appeal to a certain type of customer with a specific type of need. When your revenue model is combined with the appropriate value messaging, your product is much more likely to attract the best fit customer in the shortest amount of time. Unsure whether your message is not only addressing the right problem, but also attracting and converting the best fit leads? Stay tuned, friend, because our guest today is an expert in helping business owners like you get clear on matching your revenue model with your marketing message so you can attract your ideal customer and close more sales faster in the business you're currently running or want to run. Welcome to Sticky Brand Lab, where we bridge the gap between knowledge and action by providing you with helpful info tips and tools from entrepreneurs and other experts so you can quickly and easily jumpstart your side business. We're your hosts. I'm Nola Boyer, and this is my co-host, Lori Vida. Hey, Lori. Hi, Nola. You know, Nola, you and I have used this expression, you can't read the label from inside the jar. And it's one that I think personally, I resonate with a lot. That reminds me much of the one I use about you don't know water until you've left the fishbowl. <laughs> I don't know that one. What is that? Either one speaks to the fact that you're just sometimes you're in it so far and you're so close to it. What, you can't see the forest for the trees? I guess that's another one. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think one reason, especially for business owners, is it's often a challenge to see the problem because either we are afraid to see it or we believe we should be able to figure out the problem and the solution ourselves. I know I'm guilty of that because I think I've got this expertise, so I should be able to solve my own problem. OK, I'm following you. Why don't you uh, tell me more? <laughs> Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> so you want me to basically humble myself and share my Achilles Please. heel? Okay. Okay. In the interest of our listeners, I will. For myself, I know that when I'm passionate about my own business idea, and I think this relates to any business owner out there, or you've got a new idea to generate sales, you've spent time working out the details, and it's not always obvious what's missing or what needs to be made clearer. And I think this is particularly true when it comes to writing or describing your business or your product or your service. And whether you're a business owner, consultant or coach, there's a tendency to see things through our own eyes rather than the eyes of our current customers or even our potential customers. And I think it's this kind of thinking and behavior that can keep business owners stuck and unhappy and primarily unhappy because they're not generating the kind of sales or quality of customer that they want to work with. They need somebody to basically point out the ocean. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of which, is why we're so thrilled to have our guest on today's two-part show. As a brand messaging professional and founder of Paraphrase Communications, Lisa Mullis is passionate about assisting business owners, coaches, consultants, and creative professionals in identifying their brand position and streamlining their sales and marketing messages for better revenue results. 
With a foundation rooted in journalism and design, Lisa seamlessly merges over 23 years of entrepreneurial experience to identify the brand messaging challenges faced by many business owners. Using her knowledge, experience, and creative talents, she helps you turn ineffective messaging and marketing materials into high converting campaigns and funnels that draw clients so you can increase both online and in-person sales. And she's here today to share her wisdom, insights, and tips, along with a few resources, so you can create clear, compelling, value-driven messaging that wins customers. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. We're excited that you're here. And Lisa, before we get into the specifics on messaging that converts lookers into buyers or tire kickers into buyers, as I once heard the saying... Would you clarify kind of like at a high level, what is the difference between a business model and a revenue model? And why is it even important to distinguish between the two, especially when it comes to creating messaging or pitches or sales material? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I'm going to share my definition of the two, but then I would love to hear yours as well. For me, the distinction between the business model and a revenue model, I mean, they're very intertwined in a lot of respects. But I think about the business model as like kind of the overall structure of the business. Is it a single owner business? Is it a business that has employees? Does it have a team in some other capacity? the size, the scope, like all of the broader elements of what the business is. The revenue model is specifically about how the business is generating the money, like in what structure are the offers or the services set up to bring in the money. So that's where I feel like that narrows down more specifically to the financial side of the business. But what about you? How do you look at the distinction? That actually became a discussion between Nola and myself. We were excited to have you on. We thought that the information would be very helpful. But then I went and did the quiz that you offer. And then I told Nola, you need to go do this as well. So she did it as well. Believe it or not, she scored higher than I did for the results. So she clearly understands our business idea much clearer than I do, I would say in that sense. But what really struck me personally was I hadn't separated them out. So when I took the quiz, it pinpointed some areas that I wasn't as high on in answering, things that I needed to work on that I hadn't really thought of. It made it easier to see that so that I didn't lump everything into the same pool, if you will. It was kind of like being able to tell the difference. It wasn't that the business idea was the problem or even the structure of the business was the problem. It was how I was conveying that information to a potential customer. And that is where, for me, it almost shined a spotlight on what was missing. It was like an epiphany for me. Nola, what was your experience? I'd never really thought about separating the two before. So in my mind, a business model, is this a a storefront? Is this an online business? Are you selling products or services? Is this the multi-level? That's a business model. But when you say a revenue model, it really forces you to think through what are the sales that are supporting the business, just like you said, Lisa. We'll be delving into this a little bit deeper. But one thing I want to get clear on here, and I think it's often helpful 
to start with the end in mind. So in kind of reverse engineering this, if you will, how does Lisa, in your experience, distinguishing between a business model and a revenue model help a business owner answer the question of what do you do or tell me about your business? So I think there's probably couple different ways to look at it. I mean, you could say, well, the what do you do question is the revenue model is kind of the answer to that in some respects, or it could be how do you do it? And maybe that's the revenue model. Really understanding what your revenue model is, is going to significantly impact the way that you're going to approach marketing. It's going to significantly impact your understanding of the numbers involved and what conversion points look like for you in your business. In my experience, especially this is something I've just been paying a lot of attention to lately, having conversations with people, just hearing, you know, being in a room where people are talking about these things, whatever it might be, as I'm recognizing how often people don't really understand the connection between the revenue model and the kind of marketing that they're looking at doing or trying to do, or maybe they're doing marketing and it's not working. And it could be because it's not aligned with the kind of revenue model that they have. So let me give you an example, because this is a really common one. I talk to people fairly like on a pretty regular basis. And I'm mostly working with service-based businesses. So the whole issue in a service-based business very often is like, how do I leverage my time? And one of the ways to do that, a very popular way to do that is through information products like courses and books and you know all the things. A lot of people would like to make significant revenue on information products, which is great. Like That's very appealing, right? What they don't recognize is that that now becomes a volume-based business that in order to make a revenue, and sometimes people are wanting to make enough revenue through this channel that it might replace or it'd be like a big chunk of the, the overall money that the business is bringing in. And yet the audience that they're currently in front of doesn't support enough sales of units in order to actually generate that kind of revenue. So what they need to do is approach the marketing with just the goal is like huge visibility and lead generation. And it might even also include they have to look at the turnover with the customers or the clients, whether it's a course or something else. If that offer needs a continual stream of new people coming into it, and it needs a volume of people coming into it, Well, the marketing for that's going to look so different than a service-based business that might be doing one-to-one services where the volume is not an issue at all. So I see so many people say, I want to make X dollars selling courses, but they're not prepared to put in the time or the money into the marketing to actually make that happen. And so that's when you're like running the numbers on that type of a revenue model is absolutely essential so that you can understand what you need to do next in terms of the marketing. Do you help people figure out what is the best way to get them going or what are the variety of ways that they could think about generating revenue? Yeah, definitely. When I'm working with someone, one of the very first things we do is just take stock of what current assets they have and what resources they have at their disposal. So resources, including the time, money, skills that they themselves might possess, or they might have within the team that they have around them, 
Then another aspect is just their overall style and what they most enjoy doing. Because a big piece when it comes to marketing is just being consistent with it. And so choosing a marketing channel or a method or a set of activities that is sustainable for the business owner is really key too. So it's kind of like looking at those three things. What are your existing assets? What are your resources? What's your overall style? And that's matching that up to what is your desired revenue model. So it is taking into account all of those things so that we can do a better job of identifying like where is the money going to come from. So in a case where let's say somebody has been in their business for a while doing services, they would like to build another revenue stream, maybe around courses or some kind of leveraged offer like that. And maybe they've also saved a little cash of money to put into that. Well, that looks different than someone who is in a service-based business and they're not yet even generating the kind of money they want from their services. And they're also looking at trying to now build another revenue stream in courses. So that looks different. The resource of money that they have at their disposal, maybe even time to build this other revenue piece is going to look different. So in those situations, and this is usually the case in working with anyone at front, I like to look at first, like, where are you closest to the money? Because sometimes we just need to kind of get that piece short up first before you are in a little bit more solid footing to put attention on to a new thing or a new revenue stream. How important is it to also keep in mind not only the revenue stream that you're talking about, but how you convey that information? What you're speaking to is where are they at? in the buying cycle, in the buyer's journey. So some of the listeners might be familiar with the buyer's journey. That is a decision-making process that we all go through, sometimes multiple times a day when you're just in your world and you're taking in information and you're trying to decide, do I want to know more? Do I want to take the next step? So when it comes to talking about your business... Definitely, if you can identify where the person you're talking to is at in the buyer's journey, are they very early stage, which means maybe they don't know anything about you or your services yet. They might not even really know about their problem. They just might be feeling the pain of the situation that they're in, the the pain of the gap between where they currently are and where they'd like to go. But maybe they haven't done enough exploring to understand like what the solution might look like. And of course, you know all of these things because that's what you do. You help people with their problem. So if you can identify where somebody is on that buyer's journey, then yeah, absolutely. It influences how you talk about how you can help them. So one example, this is just one way to think about it, is I like to give this analogy of the dentist versus the doula. So when you're a dentist, everybody knows what a dentist does. You don't have to spend a lot of time with people in the early buying cycle where you're just helping them build awareness around what even a dentist does because everybody already knows that, right? It's just common knowledge. A doula, on the other hand, that is a service that maybe somebody's heard about, but they don't really understand what that is. In which case, you're probably going to encounter more often people who are at the early buying cycle when it comes to that, which means they just need some general education around what a doula does before you even talk about what you do specifically and how you can help them. 
that influences how you talk about the work that you do as well. So it's kind of all in mixed up in one ball of wax, so to speak, but there's some different aspects to it. So it's understanding where they're at in the buying cycle and also just like how much education, generally speaking, do you need to provide people about the kind of work that you do and how you help people? What are some common mistakes or other common mistakes that entrepreneurs make when they are describing their product or service? So I'll point to one that Lori mentioned a while ago about thinking that my stuff is for everybody. So it's that generalized approach. So not only is there often a lack of definition around who specifically this service or this product is for, but then the language around that ends up being really generic. And I see this happen a lot in the coaching space and like whether it's life coaching or health and wellness coaching. There's a lot of talk around like, oh, I'm going to help you find more time and peace and joy in your life and these really big concepts that are like great. I mean, that's what ultimately people are wanting with almost everything. But when you speak about it in those very generalized terms and you haven't identified specifically who, you know, this is for women, well, that's half the population then that is a very common messaging mistake right there. I think what happens is I do see people who start to narrow down specifically who the service or the product is for, but they are still talking about the outcomes or the results that they help people get in these very generalized terms. It's not specific enough. And when you're doing that, if you happen to be doing big work like that, some kind of transformational work like that, it doesn't feel tangible. It's hard for them to emotionally connect to it too, because it just sounds like fluff. It just sort of goes in one ear and out the other. When you can give examples and share stories and be really specific about how that shows up for your people that you are helping, what does it look like if you imagine like you're a fly on the wall in their day? And what does it look like before they get your help? And what does it look like after? And you can describe in detail around that. It goes tremendously far in terms of helping people emotionally and even visually connect to the work that you do and how you can help them, which in turn, once people feel emotionally connected to that, that's when they're in the position to buy. They want to know more and they want to engage more. So that's the one of the biggest messaging opportunities for most people. And even for myself too, as I've gone along, I I continue to look for where are those places where I can speak in more specifics around what do the pain points look like? What do the results look like and the outcomes and all of those things? I guess it's kind of two, right? It's like too general of an audience, but also too generic of messaging. Before you go on to more, what you just said reminds me of what I hear from so many consultants, and I'm still waiting for that tell me what you mean description. And that is, I'm going to help you become who you really are. (laughs) Who you were meant to be. (laughs) Okay, well, I think I'm me and I have become me. So (laughs) you're going to help me do what? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a great example. (laughs) I kind of do know what they mean from esoteric blog reading, but... I'm waiting for that really specific, here's how this will play out in 
your average day. Exactly. So a couple of others. Another one is a lot of focus on the me or the I. I see this all the time. I'm always looking at this when I'm looking at copy, working with clients on their copy. There's always opportunities to shift from the I can help you do this and I will work with you to do this to a you will get. You'll be able to. It's very subtle and quite frankly, a lot of times very simple shifts in language. I mean, it's just like some little tweaking, but it really changes that tone from I, 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 me, me, me to you. Like it really puts your prospect, your client, your customer still in front and center. And I mean, yeah, you're present in that as if you're a service-based business, you're still present in that conversation, if you will, but it's leading with you. So that's a very common one, again, because I'm looking for those things all the time and I see it all the time. And fortunately, it's pretty easy to fix that. And then another one is like when it comes to talking about the specific services and products, resources, those types of things that you have for people is just an overemphasis on the features, the format of this, like this is what it looks like, this is what it can do. There's an imbalance between there's like so much around that and so little around the benefits and the outcomes. And the benefits being the things that are closer in, they're kind of the quick wins. If you want to think about benefits as quick wins, or they are the things that somebody experiences pretty much right away whenever they are using your service or your product. And whereas the outcomes are the things that happen over time as a result. Like at the end of the day, when all said and done, this is what they're going to be able to experience. Those are the outcomes. And you need to speak to both of those things. And you do need to talk about the features. But so often is this imbalance of too much on the features or leading with the features instead of... And then the benefits and outcomes are there, but they're like really buried. And then as we talked about previously, the benefits and outcomes sound very generic, right? So people are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. Okay, I get it. So those would be two more. That's really helpful because we make the mistake, but we don't realize the mistake. When I was working as a dating coach, one of my slogans was, your date won't tell you what you've been doing wrong, but I will. And that's because people don't tell you that you sound generic. They don't tell you what it is that's not resonating with them. They just make the decision, I don't need this. And as a business owner, you're trying to convey how it can help, but you're missing the mark. And if you don't recognize it, then you're missing an opportunity for sales. You might just think, well, that's not the right client, but that might not be the case. It might all be you. And that kind of circles us back to the inside the jar. <laughs> Absolutely. Comment that you made. Why it's so important to have, whether you're very formally working with a business coach or a business strategist or messaging person, or if you just very actively have people around you to be the sounding board and the reflection of like, well, this is what it looks like to me, because you can't know that. And I think you're exactly right that a lot of times a misunderstanding happens that, oh, it's not the right person when actually it's just not the right messaging. Like the messaging needs to get dialed in better. Lisa, thanks for coming on our two-part show. I have one final question for today's part one episode. Tell us 
How do you define a vibrant life? Ooh, that's a really good question. A vibrant life is one where I get to live the fullest expression of myself and get to have or experience, I should say, a lot of adventure and joy and diversity too, like just a diversity of people and culture and locations and all the things. What comes to mind is just like a very colorful life, a vibrant life. I love that. I can relate to that. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Lisa, for being our guest. And I know that your thoughts and experiences have been so helpful and will help many listeners along their journey, not to mention the suggestions and resources and programs that you provide. But before you go, how can listeners get in touch with you? Where should they go if they want to learn more about your programs, services, webinars, resources, or even what social platforms are you on where people can follow you? The first thing people could do is they could take the quiz that we've been talking about today. It's called the Client Conversion Quiz. I'm assuming we're going to put the link in the show notes somewhere for them to access the quiz. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a great starting place because it takes really about five minutes to go through the set of questions and you end up with a score, get an aggregate score, but you get a score in each of those four areas that we mentioned earlier, which is positioning, your audience, your offers, and your conversion. And that will help you start to narrow in where exactly should I kind of focus on next. And from there, that takes you to the resources that I have in each of those different areas. So that would be a great place for people to start. It's free. And again, it's really fast and it gives you some good insight. I am really active on LinkedIn. That's my main social platform. I'm on Instagram, but not in a, necessarily in a big way. I'm on LinkedIn more. And I think that's because I work in the B2B space a lot. And that's where a lot of my people are. And then the the other option is just to go to the website and sign up for my newsletter because that's how I let people know when there's classes and workshops coming up and things like that. And that's a weekly newsletter that goes out. So you can easily find that information on my website to get signed up there. Perfect. Well, we'll be sure, listener, to put the links that Lisa mentioned in our show notes as well as on our website so that you can easily access those links and information. And friends, we hope the ideas and thoughts shared here today have sparked your interest and motivated you to take a look at your business, brand, revenue, and sales messaging so you can create or improve your revenue stream, especially as a first-time entrepreneur in the second half of your very vibrant life. And be sure to stick around to the very end of this podcast for a fun little surprise. If you found the information we've shared helpful and want more tools, tips, and inspiration delivered to your inbox, sign up for news you can use over on our website, stickybrandlab.com. And remember, small steps, big effects. The the challenge is I put my script right over the recording button with yep. the countdown. <laughs> so now I can I had to move it to yep. see it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs>